0: This This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday to you here on ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. And if you are watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page... Facebook.com slash ESPN Des Moines. Yes, even in Iowa, on the eve of the Big Ten championship game, I will let you uh, in on a secret. I grew up a Michigan fan. (laughs) So I am in the office here today uh, all throughout. I'm not liked. (laughs) Okay? I am not liked. Uh, In the office, there are a lot of uh, Hawkeye fans here, obviously, being in the state of Iowa. People are very excited. A lot of Cyclone fans around here as well. Uh, But I am a villain in the office today because I am one of a handful of uh, Michigan fans in the state of Iowa rooting against the Iowa Hawkeyes come Big Ten title game coming up tomorrow night. I am really excited about it. Uh, obviously with the team that I grew up. I am 40 years old. I've been a lifelong Michigan fan. It has been hard to root, as you know, for Michigan uh, in the last two decades. <laughs> and so that's, that's where I want to start. We're trying to hook up with Rob Howell from HawkeyeNation.com. He is uh, on his way from Des Moines to Indianapolis right now. And there is a lot of dead area in terms of cell service uh, in that part of the country. So we will hopefully hook up with him. And then coming up in about 15 minutes, uh, my good buddy Sam Webb from the Michigan Insider, WTKA Radio in Ann Arbor, uh, where I used to work many a moon ago, uh, he is going to join us to get the Michigan perspective. So we're going to talk a lot about the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Later on, we're going to talk more about the rest of these championship games going on this weekend because it is a massive college football weekend. And I think, you know, I I realize that Iowa fan wants Iowa to win tomorrow. Obviously, that's the understatement of the year. That's It's stuff like that that keeps me on the radio. Iowa fan wants Iowa to win the Big Ten championship game. You know, that's the kind of analysis you've come to expect here at ESPN Des Moines. But I'll say this. Um, I, I feel like if Iowa does not win, I don't think there's so much disdain for this particular Michigan team where you would be rooting against Michigan in the college football playoff because the Big Ten needs some respectability. Uh, Ohio State, out of the championship conversation. Should Michigan get in? They're sitting at number two currently in the college football playoff. I don't think Michigan drops too far. If it's a one-point win, an ugly win, whatever, they would be in the college football playoff. Now, again, I know Iowa will go on to the Rose Bowl. That's the pageantry. That is the, the goal for Iowa is to play for a Big Ten title and is to get a shot at going to the Rose Bowl. And this can happen tomorrow. I just saw the line jumped. It was 10.5 for most of the week. Michigan now is an 11-point favorite against the uh, the Hawks, who had the one of the most amazing comebacks I've seen in a while last Friday when they made that comeback against, uh, against Nebraska. I remember sitting on my couch. I was actually back in Michigan with my family, uh, took my son with me for his first plane ride, and we went back for Thanksgiving, and we sat around watching it. I thought, wow, Iowa really crap in the bed against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And to, to come back the way that they did, doing what Iowa does, and that is turning the ball over and keeping the game ugly. Because I don't expect Iowa to come out and play a pretty football game. Iowa has to do what Iowa does normally, and that is turn Michigan over. I don't see Michigan throwing the ball all around. I mean, we saw how they beat Ohio State last year in one of the highest-rated games Fox has ever had, Michigan ran the football. But Michigan ran the football against a mostly nickel defense. And Ohio State didn't have that third linebacker on the field as often as you're going to see this weekend when Michigan plays against Iowa. So Ohio State had an extra DB there. Um, the, the Hawkeyes certainly aren't going to do that. They had to have watched what Michigan did against that smaller, lighter Front, and that was hammer the ball with Hassan Hask- Haskins and Corum and whatnot. So I don't expect Iowa to do what Ohio State did defensively. They play base, they play physical. They're going to try to shut down. Easy to say, not easy to do. Shut down Haskins and shut down Corum. Joining me from the road right now, somewhere between here and Indianapolis, from HawkeyeNation.com, one of the best in the business. Rob How is with me. Rob, are you in cornfields? Are you in wheat fields? Are you in Nowhere, Illinois?
1: No, as per usual with me, Mike, I'm uh, just getting on the road. So, <laughs> uh, best laid plans, right?
0: <laughs> hey, the game doesn't kick off for another 40 hours or whatever, so you're fine. you got plenty of time. Uh, well, to, I'm to get there. I'm,
1: hit, I'm hitting the Purdue basketball game tonight. I'm covering the Iowa Purdue men's basketball game tonight, and then doing football tomorrow. So
0: busy, you have
1: it. somewhere to be.
0: You got an undefeated. I mean, you. I don't think if you would have guessed that you would have said Iowa basketball at this point would be undefeated, and Iowa would be playing in the Big Ten championship game somewhere in the middle of October. You would have laughed at me. That's that's a good road trip for you.
1: Yeah, not bad. Both are underdogs, too, so both kind of are in the same position to try to pull off the upset against the number two. Both teams they're playing are ranked number two in the country.
0: Amazing. The the irony of all this weekend. Um, Hey, Rob, I do real quick want to touch on what happened last week. I thought that was the nail in the coffin for Scott Frost's career as the head coach of the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Who knows what happens there? But how'd they pull off that comeback and how shocked are Iowa fans that Bucky lost to the Goofers the next day?
1: Yeah, it seemed like, you know, they were, you know, the fans, and I'm sure the players and coaches to a degree were, you know, hoping against hope that, you know, the Gophers were able to pull that off. But obviously it was an upset, so you're not planning on that. So I I think the excitement of that upset coupled with how Iowa came back against Nebraska, you know, that's just exciting. It's uh, the beat the odds twice in like 24 hours
0: which doesn't happen (laughs) and 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 speaking of the odds obviously michigan beat the odds and upset ohio state last week what can we expect let's talk about the defense first here what can we expect defensively because this is a harbaugh power running football team this is not a squad in michigan that's going to throw the ball all over the yard ohio state didn't seem terribly equipped to handle haskins and quorum is iowa
1: I think better equipped. I mean, it sounds goofy to say, but Iowa's defense is better than Ohio State's defense. I think that's pretty clear. Iowa's better against the run. Now, this is going to be, if not the best, one of the best offensive lines that Iowa's young. And not as, a, I mean, before the season, this was an experienced defensive line. These guys have played 12 games at this point. They should be a lot better than they were at the beginning of the year, but this is a huge challenge. I'll, Michigan's offensive line is really good, and that's been the difference for Michigan. That was the difference with Michigan putting together this type of season and not being able to do it in past years. They were not good on the offensive line, really good on the offensive line this year. So it's going to be incumbent upon Iowa's linebackers to make some plays in this game, I think, and hopefully the defensive line can set the edge and also eat up some blocks on the inside.
0: Talking to Rob Howe, com. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Howe HN. It's Wickets World here on ESPN Des Moines. You know, going into the season, the big question was on the defensive line with all the talent that the Hawkeyes lost to the NFL. Have those questions been answered? Are, are are Hawkeye fans feeling really good about where we are heading into the Big Ten championship game?
1: Yeah, I think for the most part, it's been a pretty good season for this defensive line and answered a lot of questions. Um, I think it struggled, obviously, in those the two-game losing streak. I mean, Braylon Allen just ran all over him. And that's kind of, if you're going to be worried about something tomorrow from Iowa's defense, it's Michigan's ability with a big bat to run the ball in Iowa. has had some had occasions this year where it did not tackle well. And those are the types of things that are going to be super important tomorrow. you got a big back, a change of pace back, a good offensive line. You've got to be... And it sounds cliche, but play assignment football and be able to tackle. If they miss tackles tomorrow, it's going to be a long night.
0: Rob, offensively, um, is it official that Spencer Petrus is the quarterback? Is Padilla going to get some snaps? This seems like a, a disaster is the wrong word. But having no set starting quarterback seems like a problem.
1: Yeah, I would say to a degree that's a problem. And I think what you're kind of driving at is, Neither quarterback's been a world beater. And that's kind of that's the that's the rub right now is what you look at Michigan's offense, it's ranked second in the and its defense I think is ranked third. Iowa's fourth in scoring defense and tenth in scoring off tenth or eleventh in scoring. That's the one unit tomorrow that's gonna have to perform over its head. Both special teams really good. Iowa's had a had a pretty decent advantage on special teams. That's not going to be the case tomorrow. Michigan again, is really good. Michigan doesn't turn the ball offensively. Iowa's going to have to figure this out. It's going to have to get away from some ten- tendency on offense, maybe run some trick plays, maybe some run some things that Michigan hasn't seen. And the offensive game plan is going to have to help the Iowa players on offense because 12 weeks in, Mike, we've seen neither quarterback is somebody who's going to take over a game and you can't expect that tomorrow against a really good defense.
0: Did Spencer Petris disappoint this year? Take the injury out. Did Petris disappoint?
1: It's a really good question. One I struggle with Mike. I, I don't know if you can say he's been a disappointment. I think the offense as a whole has been a disappointment. And I think the tendency is to put it on the quarterback and I think he could have played better. But the offensive line has been woefully inconsistent all year both because of performance and injuries or however you want to frame what the reasons are. Drop passes have been an issue. Um, You know, it took to what? Mid-season before they really started to turn to the true freshman wide receivers in Johnson and Bruce. So obviously they saw an issue there with what was happening at wide receiver. Um, So I, I think it's the offense as a whole. And I think what kind of illustrates that is neither quarterback has been able to excel in this system it's more of an offensive thing than i think it is a quarterback
0: thing. talking to rob howe hawkeye nation.com on twitter at rob howe joining us here on wickets world on espn des moines rob i i don't want i know you don't want to jump past the big ten title game and you don't want to jump past whatever bowl game could potentially be the rose bowl for the hawkeyes but that being said do you know do do hawkeye fans know who they want their quarterback to be next spring and next fall is it does it come down to padilla versus petrus again or is there potentially somebody else?
1: Really fascinating dynamic here, Mike, because how do the Iowa coaches handle this? <laughs> do they do they go into the offseason and say, Listen, you guys are dead even going into spring? May the best man win. Do they do in two thousand and fourteen what you know, going into fifteen, what they did and tell Jake Rudock, listen, thanks, man, but you know, the other quarterback, CJ Beathard's dad said if he ain't starting, he's departing. We're going to go with the guy that gives us two more years rather than the one that gives us one more year. Um, it's a real—it's just the nature of college football now, right? It was—it was the nature of it then. It's even more extreme now with the transfer portal. So they're going to have to be open and honest with these two guys. And to answer your question, whichever of those two guys wins, unless they're undefeated for the whole season, everybody's going to want Joey Labus, who's now the third-string quarterback.
0: Yeah, because didn't uh, one of the kids, the the highly recruited kids, Deuce, what's his name, didn't he transfer recently?
1: Deuce Hogan transferred this week or went into the transfer portal this week. So they're down to three scholarships quarterbacks until Carson May, uh, the kid in the 2022 class, arrives. I forget if he's an early enrollee or or if he gets here in the summer. But after that, you're going to have a redshirt freshman and a true freshman. So just kind of the nature of the beast. Who knows?
0: Well, I I think we lost him. Uh, we'll let Rob get on his way. He's got to stop in West Lafayette. <laughs> he's got to stop to watch the uh, the Hawkeyes play against uh, Purdue. Number two, Purdue. So he's got that game. And then he's got to go to Indianapolis for Iowa and Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. Cell phone problems happen. He's on the road. He's on the way. We all, we've all been there. Uh, but thanks to Rob Howe. Follow him on Twitter at Rob H N for the best and go to HawkeyeNation.com if you're an Iowa fan. Uh, Rob is fantastic. And you know what? Rob's come on this show, I think, four or five times so far this season, and I really appreciate that. So, Rob, if you're listening, we still got you. You're on hold or whatever. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. You have ans- he's never told me no, and a lot of people don't have to do that. So my thanks to Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com for doing that. All right, quick timeout coming up the other side. We'll talk to, we may or may not get Sam My buddy Sam Webb from the Michigan Insider, part of 247sports.com and 1050 WTKA out of Ann Arbor. Uh, He covers the Wolverines. We'll go to the other side of the coin. He's driving from Detroit to Indy. Now, there should be better cell towers from Detroit to Indy than Des Moines to Indy because you don't have to go through Illinois. Central Illinois sucks. But we'll find out. (laughs) We'll do that coming up next.
1: This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. From the Bally Bet Sportsbook app studio, get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app.
0: And I was wrong. <laughs> Welcome in. It's Wicket's World here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket's um we tried to get sam webb on we will still continue to try to get sam webb on from uh, the michigan insider and wtka radio in uh, ann arbor which is actually where i got my radio start many a moon ago 21 years ago oh my goodness um but sam is driving down to indianapolis and running into some dead zones just like i think rob Howe ran into a dead zone he might be through the illinois border or whatever and i understand how that works man you, you know as great as technology is and we put a man on the moon and we can do radio shows from studios all over the country and whatnot sometimes you're just at the mercy you're just at the mercy of the uh, the the cell phone tower so hopefully sam will pick up carol why don't you try sam one more time and we'll see if he'll uh, if he'll pick up who knows he, he may he may not uh, coming up tonight here on ESPN Des Moines, we've got the, uh, the Drake women playing against Longwood. 5.30 for the pregame. Hunter Phillips has the call at 6. Tomorrow, we have got a couple of conference championship games for you. We have the Big, Ten, uh, the Big 12 championship game early between Baylor and Oklahoma State. There is so much on the line in that game. It's unbelievable. Uh, also, Pitt and Wake Forest at night, the ACC championship, and it's amazing that the ACC championship has zero bearing whatsoever on college football and the way this whole thing is going to shake out. Because it's not Clemson, who started the year at number two in the nation or number three in the nation or whatever they were. Uh, it's Pitt and it's Wake Forest. I mean, I, that neither one of those teams is 15 versus 16. Uh, neither one of those two teams is going to have anything to say about the college football playoff. But we'll have... You know, both games, you want live sports, man. This is your radio station. You can either have talking heads all weekend or you can have live sports. And this radio station brings you live sports. So Baylor-Oklahoma, Big 12 title game, early kick, 11 a.m. kick, we'll have it. And in that one, you have Oklahoma State. And this is not your normal Oklahoma State team. They're number five in the country. But Mike Gundy's team does it with defense. And that is not usually the staple of Mike Gundy's teams. I mean, how often does Mike Gundy have this Oklahoma state team or these Oklahoma state teams that can score 40, 45 points a game, but they lose because they give up 46 or they run into a team that actually can play some defense and Oklahoma state traditionally under Gundy does not play great defense, but this Okie state team, they don't have an explosive offense. They're winning some of these questionable games, these uh, games they should in theory as the number five team in the nation. They're winning those games by just a couple of points. So, Oklahoma State is not who they normally are. Meanwhile, Baylor, 10-2, and two, number nine in the country. They could easily pull off this upset. What is Oklahoma State, a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game? I can completely see Baylor getting the W. Just played at Jerry World, the Big 12 championship game. You can see this. Now, what this means for the college football playoff, you may know. We've got Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Bama is 3, and Cincinnati is 4. And, of course, Cincinnati has their own championship game, which they can lose to Houston. Let's talk about Oklahoma State first. If Oklahoma State wins a one-loss Big 12 champion, many would argue is a better fit for the college football playoff than an undefeated Cincinnati team out of the American Athletic Conference because of the strength of their schedule and who Oklahoma State has beaten. When you look at Oklahoma State, And who they've beaten. I mean, they beat a Texas team. They shut out a Texas Tech team. They beat Oklahoma a week ago. Meanwhile, Cincinnati does have the one win everybody is talking about, and they're undefeated. They have not lost. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State did lose earlier in the year. They've already beaten this Baylor team, by the way, 24 14. But they did get beat early this season. So it's not like you have an undefeated squad here. Uh, They were beaten by, of course, Iowa State. Number eight Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State up at Jack Trice Stadium. But should Oklahoma State win, the argument is, are they a better fit for the college football playoff because of who they've beaten? I'm a big fan of giving Cincinnati a shot at this. Because it's going to go one of two ways. If Cincinnati, who, by the way, again, could lose to Houston, that can happen tomorrow. I mean, Cincinnati is a ten-and-a-half-point favorite in this one, but they've had a lot of close games, a lot of close calls, a lot of games where you're like, well, is that really a team we want to see in the college football playoff? It can go one of two ways. If Cincinnati beats Houston tomorrow, I think they will and should remain in the college football playoff. And give them a shot. If they stay at four and things fall the way they're supposed to fall, the favored teams win uh, this weekend. Cincinnati and Georgia. Could be a bloodbath of a game. It really could be. Could Cincinnati even move the football against that great Georgia defense? That's the question. Luke Fickle is a hell of a coach. But would they be able to, A, move the ball at all on Georgia? My guess would be no. And, B, would they be able to slow down Georgia? This is not a great Georgia offense. It's a good Georgia offense. It's not a great Georgia offense. This isn't a team that's going to put up 65, I think, in either of these college football playoff games. It's not that Joe Burrow LSU team from a couple of years ago that blew the doors off of uh, Oklahoma. I don't think that's what we're looking at right now. But it's a real—I mean, they're the best team in the country. They're 12-0— And they're a favorite in the SEC championship game over Alabama. So let's jump into that one for a second. So if things fall the way they are supposed to fall and teams do wind up winning, the favorite teams do wind up winning. And there are a lot of Alabama fans right now. All right. Not just in Tuscaloosa, but there are a lot of Alabama fans out there right now that are like, Hey, look, we need the four best teams and we need Bama to be one of those four best teams. And we, can, we don't want any, any chaos, all right? Because if Bama beats Georgia, which is possible, Bama's not as great as you would think they are. I'll get to them in a second. But if Bama beats Georgia, Georgia's in. There's no doubt in my mind. You don't, you don't knock off the undefeated champ from one to five off the pedestal because they lose in the SEC championship game. So if, if, if Alabama wins, it's fine. This top four isn't changing. Georgia wins. To Lost Alabama. Oh, by the way, Bama doesn't have the resume you think they have. All right? Bama didn't blow the doors off of the SEC. Okay? I mean, here's Bama's wins Miami stinks. Mercer. Okay, they beat Florida, who was 11 at the time, but we found out Florida's not so great. Southern Miss, Ole Miss was their best win. Then they lost to A&M, they beat Mississippi State, they beat Tennessee, they beat LSU by six, they beat New Mexico State, they beat Arkansas, they handled Arkansas, and they had to go to four overtimes in this stupid overtime system we have to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl. This is not one of the great Alabama teams. This is not last year's Alabama team that had Mac Jones and the Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, this is not that Alabama team. They're good. They're eleven and one. They're capable of knocking off Georgia. But should they lose, Alabama does not belong in the college football playoff. And I think a two-loss Bama team gets out. I think there are a lot of Bulldog fans that are in Norman, that are in uh, in, uh, in Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State. A lot of a lot of Cowboys fans that are rooting for uh, Georgia to pull off the victory. They want to knock Alabama out of the college football playoff. So there is so much that can still happen tomorrow that has such an effect. And then again, if, by the way, and we're going to take a break, come back with Sam Webb. He's got We got him on the line. We'll, we'll do that coming up in just a minute. Early on, we're going to know a lot about the rest of the day's storylines because if Oklahoma State loses the early game, the 11 a.m. game, then a lot of this is moot. Then we got to hear about Freaking Notre Dame. And I'll get to that later as well. On the other side, we got him on hold. We'll get the Michigan side. We've already talked about the Hawkeyes. They call him Blue Sam. We'll talk to uh, Sam Webb, Michigan Insider, 247sports.com, and 1050 WTKA out of Ann Arbor. He's on his way to the Big Ten Championship game. That's next. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's Wicked's World. It is the Big Ten Championship coming up tomorrow. Iowa and Michigan. Joining me right now from 247sports.com, the Michigan Insider and WTKA Radio out of Ann Arbor. He is my buddy, Sam Webb. Sam, how are you, my friend?
2: Wicked, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. And yourself?
0: I think it's ironic that after our paths separated about 10, 12 years ago, we're rejoining I'm Doing Radio in Iowa And you're on your way to the Big Ten Championship game.
2: Hey, I don't think either fan base expected for their school to be in the Big Ten Championship game. But you know what? They'll both take it. Yeah. Especially Michigan after but it's been. You were here the last time Michigan won a Big Ten Championship. I think so. Man, they're long overdue. Long overdue. Sam,
0: take me back to last Saturday. Have people stopped partying? Have people stopped celebrating that win over Ohio State?
2: No, man. It's... it was, you know, I've been to a lot of Michigan games. You've been to a lot of Michigan games. Have seen special performances, special moments, and that's the best I've ever seen. That's the best moment I've ever seen in that stadium. The best atmosphere. I mean, it was, it was because of the two teams. They were both top five. They're traditional rivals. Maybe the biggest rivalry in sports. The snow. There was November weather in the Big Ten. And then adding to it, not many people outside of Ann Arbor gave Michigan much of a chance in that game. And, it, and they had eight straight. Ohio State had eight straight. There were 17-3 and three in this century against Michigan. So it just, you know, it was an exercise of futility playing that team. You put all of those components together and you, you put it against the backdrop of 115,000 people with the eyes of the college football world on it, it was, it was special, Mike, and no. The answer is no. People haven't stopped partying. But what I, what I my biggest takeaway is what people who aren't affiliated with Michigan are saying. Guys like Joel Cladden, Matt Leiner, who have seen a lot of college football, and they are saying it's the best environment they've ever been in. That's how special it was last week.
0: Hassan Haskins rushes for five. First Wolverine running back to do it since, what, Ron Johnson in 1968. That was before your time, Sam. So that was a long time ago. Uh, I don't expect the Wolverines to be able to run the ball at will the way they did against Ohio State. I think Iowa plays more base. What is the attack plan, do you think, coming up tomorrow in Indianapolis?
2: Well, look, every team Michigan has faced, they have featured the run. That's not going to change. Now, how much they feature the run changes. But there is always, if you've taken nothing away from Michigan's offensive approach this season, they are going to ride that run. It does not matter if you put eight. You put your whole team in a the box. They think they can run against it. They think they can run against it. Now, you know, Ohio State, it was, I mean, that was like crap through a, through a goose with diarrhea. I mean, it was, it was hot knife through butter. They were able to cut up Ohio State like they weren't even there. You're right. That won't be the case against Iowa. I think Iowa is better coached. I think Iowa is more fundamentally sound. I don't think that they will get just flat whipped at the line of scrimmage, which is why I think you'll see Michigan go to the air more than they did last week, and they're capable. They're capable of doing that. They just didn't have to last week, and it was part of the recipe for success against that team. You needed to keep Ohio State's offense off the field. Running the football was a part of that. So I expect Michigan to maybe put it up a little more, but still, make no mistake, the running game will be the, heavy emphasis
0: in tomorrow's game for the Michigan offense. Talking to to Sam Webb from WTKA Radio out of Ann Arbor, 247sports.com, the Michigan Insider. Follow him on Twitter at SamWebb77. I'm Mike Wickett here on ESPN Des Moines. Big Ten title game coming up tomorrow. Has this question come up on your radio show, Sam? Where has this been for four or five years under Harbaugh?
2: You know, I think... You go back to 2016, man, I just don't think that they ever really recovered. They were there in 16. You remember, yep. they rolled into Iowa City back in 16, undefeated, and I believe number two in the country, and lost the game. They had no business losing. You know, they you, you look at that contest as much as it boiled down to the one yard they they couldn't keep. Well, they say JT got that he didn't get. Barrett
0: was uh, short, Sam. Uh,
2: JT he was, he was short. He was short. But it wouldn't have come down to that. If Michigan had beaten Iowa, they could have lost a close game to Ohio State and still been in the playoff. Or, or how about this, Mike, if they lose to Iowa and don't get, you know, in that game, you, you remember William Spate broke his collarbone. If he doesn't get hurt in that contest, they probably beat Ohio State. Little known fact in that game against against Ohio State, that year William state couldn't throw the football down the field. And it still came down to JT getting the yard that he didn't get. So that Iowa game, it's it, it so impacted the outcome of that season, the trajectory of Harbaugh, and the narrative would have been so different. I don't think this team ever really, this program, program ever really recovered from 2016. So where has it been? I think you had a lot of change on the coaching staff. I think Jim, you know, I think he hitched his, his saddle to, to Don Brown. And Don, he just didn't have a lot of tools in the toolkit. And when the when the talent on that defense changed, he didn't change with it. And that was a big problem uh, for them. And then I think they tried to change a little bit offensively, be more spread, be more RPO. That's changed. They still have that in the arsenal. But they are much more of a power scheme team now, and they have a defense that is more multiple. I think they're, they've settled into what they need to be to win under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan.
0: Has there ever been a stock that has flipped? I mean, Bitcoin's been on the rise forever. But all of a sudden, the stock was just kind of hovering for Jim Harbaugh. And, and people were saying, well, we got to see it against Ohio State. Got us. You can lose to Sparty, that's fine, but you got to beat Ohio State. You beat Ohio State, everything's gone. Is stock at an all-time high for Harbaugh, at least the highest since he sat down with Tom Brady and screamed into the microphone, who's got it better than us?
2: Uh, it's the hottest. Well, it, it's impossible for it to be hot as, as it was when he got here. I yeah. mean, he was walking around. He was walking around sounding like Prince the King. The <laughs> King of Zamunda the, the the with them dropping rose petals at his feet when he first got here. But but now, now, you know, as the bloom came off that rose, so to speak, to sort of stick with the narrative or stick with the sort of analogy here, uh, it, it started to come back. Now that he's beaten Ohio State, that was what a lot of fans were waiting to see a lot of fans frankly didn't think was possible especially this year now now that he's done it uh they, the x-ray now if he goes to lose to iowa now you'll you'll hear fans you know start screaming from the rafters again but assuming he makes the playoff jim harbaugh has the the consensus support of michigan fans again
0: talking to sam webb from wtka radio in ann arbor and 24 7 sports.com the michigan insider uh, Big Ten championship game coming up tomorrow. You can find Sam Webb on Twitter at SamWeb77. I'm Mike Wickett here on ESPN Des Moines. Sam, defensively, do you think Petrus and probably Padilla are losing sleep with the thought of Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson on each side coming at him?
2: Man, Mike, that you just asked me a question you know the answer to, man. Come on, man. Is he, is he losing sleep? Aiden Hutchinson is the best defensive lineman in Michigan history. That's not hyperbole. Wow. He, has to, he has the stats to back it up. He is the all-time sack leader in program history. And that's, and that's including not getting one. He didn't get a single sack against Maryland. You know? And, and and then they took a touchdown away from him against Michigan State. He should have another stat on there. He has impacted every game in different ways, but in every game you've had to account for Ane Hutchinson. You just can't block him with one guy. Ohio State tried to, and they paid for it. So I mean, and the problem is, if you try to chip to his side or put a tight end to his side, David Ajabo gives you issues on the other side. So the recipe really is to not to not hang Petrus out the drive. Iowa's got to run the football. They got to run the football. If they cannot run the football, they're going to get run off the field. But where they have a good running back. Uh, you know, they have the best center in the country, arguably. I think they'll achieve some things on the ground that will keep Michigan a little more honest. And then, you know, they're going to – the pace that they play with is going to be a little bit different, too. That's going to, to maybe slow Michigan down a little bit as well. So all of those things, I think, can keep Petrus Give him a little – uh give him a little breathing room. But, you know, Mike, it's going to be a long day when he drops back to pass. <laughs>
0: How does Iowa win this game? How does Michigan lose this game?
2: Iowa wins this game if Michigan overlooks them. Michigan has, to, Michigan has to overlook them. Michigan has to make uncharacteristic mistakes. You know, Michigan has to turn the football over like teams seem to do. I mean, I, it was almost like I felt like the first four or five weeks of the season, Mike, I felt like Iowa opponents were throwing the game. I'm going to be honest with you. The number of the number of turnovers they had—I mean, they give Iowa defense credit—they forced a lot of those turnovers. But the number of turnovers that they had in that game, in those games, you just felt like it wasn't sustainable, and it wound up not being. As soon as they didn't get as many turnovers, you saw more of the burden be put on the offense, and that's something that that offense—that's a burden that the Iowa offense can't carry. So, to me, so what do they have to do? Michigan has to. Turn the football over uncharacteristically. They have to make other mistakes, like, uh, you know, on defense, not getting lined up, not getting the call in in time. We saw that a couple of times last week against Iowa. I mean, against Ohio State. That led to some of their some of their bigger plays. Iowa's going to have to hit a big play or two. I mean, they are not going to just be methodical and beat Michigan up and down the field at a, at a snail's pace. They got to get some chunk plays in there. And, then, and Michigan has to be off its game. you got to have a hangover effect for Michigan. Much like, I think, my personal opinion, I think Iowa maybe had a little bit of the hangover effect after they beat Penn State and went over and lost to, to Purdue. You know, I talked to Ron English about that, and he said, hey, we got a couple of really good players in, in David Bell and George Carlotta, But they felt like, as a staff, that Iowa was still on a high from beating Penn State. So, for them, they got to hope that Michigan is you know, going through the same
0: thing. Last one, Sam. I just saw the line got moved from 10 and a half to 11. Is that too big?
2: You know, I, I think it I think it very well could be in this game because of how Iowa plays. I just think it's going to be a low-possession, ugly game. You know, and the way that, that they, the kind of games, and they're fundamentally found on defense, you aren't going to get them out of position, you aren't going to blow them off the football, uh, they're going to keep everything in front of them on the back end, It just has a recipe for being a game in the 20s. and As such, I can see it being a closer game. Uh, I do not think Michigan is going to blow them out, but I do think Michigan is going to win this contest.
0: Follow him on Twitter, at samweb 77 You can read his stuff at 247sports.com, the Michigan Insider. And he is on the air on 1050 WTKA in Ann Arbor. Sam Webb, Sam, good to talk to you, my friend. I hope all is well with you. Be safe and enjoy the Big Ten Championship game.
2: Hey, Wicked, man. It's good to talk to you. Long time no talk to you. I hope you're
0: well. You too, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. That's Sam Webb from WTKA Radio in Ann Arbor, 247sports.com. He sits in the seat that I used to occupy 20 years ago, 15 years ago, something along those lines. Sam's a good dude, man. Sam has been covering Michigan for a long, long time, and it's good to catch up with Sam from a personal level, but also to talk about the Big Ten Championship Michigan, an 11-point favorite, number two in the nation against number 13, Iowa, in Indianapolis, coming up tomorrow. Uh, if you missed our Iowa conversation with Rob Howe from HawkeyeNation.com, and we'll have that on the podcast as soon as we get done uh, here today coming up. Straight ahead, we've got to bounce around the National Football League because it is all of a sudden becoming the, the playoff picture is shaping itself up. There are some pretenders, there are some contenders in the NFC that we have to call out. We'll do that coming up next. Follow us on Twitter at ESPNDSM. This is Wicked's World on Des Moines 1350 ESPN. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My thanks again to Sam Webb for joining me. Also to Rob Howe. If you missed anything, previewing the Big Ten Championship game, ESPNDesMoines.com. Tonight, uh, here on ESPN Des Moines, we've got uh, the Drake women taking on Longwood. 5.30 pregame. Uh, my buddy Hunter Phillips has the call at 6. And then tomorrow, man, we've got some good football games for you. We have football all weekend. Uh, we got Baylor and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 Championship game. That is early. That is an 11 a.m. kick which, by the way, I love 11 a.m. kicks if it's a game I care about because babies take a nap at 1230. I have three babies, and they all nap at 1230. So I'll be able to watch the end of the Big 12 championship game. You can listen to it right here on ESPN Des Moines and then uh, Pittsburgh and Wake Forest at night. Is that a 6 o'clock broadcast there, Kira? What time is that one, uh, the, uh, the other football game tomorrow night? I threw this curveball at our producer, Kira, and I think I've, I've thrown Kira for a, a loop here. Is that 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock for the broadcast? What day? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. The ACC championship game between Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. Uh, Pitt is yeah, a 3 a six. Po- 6 o'clock? All right. She's a hockey fan. She's not a football
2: fan.
0: <laughs> uh, and then on Sunday, we'll have the Drake men. Michael Admire has the call at 1.30 uh, and 2 o'clock for the tip against uh, St. Thomas. And then we'll join up in progress with the Ravens and Steelers. The Steelers are on life support. And I'm not just talking about Ben Rothlisberger. that team I heard Greeny with a stat earlier this week that since being 11 and0 last year remember they were the team last year, that people you weren't sure, certain about them. It was kind of the, well, there's no fans, they, they, they don't do what to, they were 11 and0, and that was the team everybody was looking at, you know, is Pittsburgh for real. They have been outrushed by over 1,000 yards since that start. And that is, I mean, for a Pittsburgh Steeler team, and I know they drafted the kid Najee Harris uh, in the offseason, but for them to go from 11-0 and to, what, they lose four of the remaining six games, and now they're 5-5-1, and they have a tie with the Lions. When you tie the Lions, that should be a green light or a flashing red light that there are problems and there are issues. But we'll have the, uh, the Ravens and Steelers coming up on Sunday after the Drake men take on St. Thomas. But the rest of the NFL, uh, Cowboys starting to look more like the Cowboys when you get... Listen, when you lose Amari Cooper and you lose CeeDee Lamb, one to COVID, one to a concussion, you get them back. That's when you know that your offense is starting to click. And they didn't look great yesterday. Amari Cooper wasn't supposed to play a ton, 20, 25 snaps, whatever. But against a good Saints defense on the road, the Cowboys offense looked much more like it. And I'll tell you what. There hasn't been a, a roller coaster of a year for expectation and being let down in the highs and the lows than Cowboys fans are having with Zeke Elliott. Remember the beginning of the year, people were like, eh, Tony Pollard's the better running back. And then in the month of October, Zeke became Zeke again. Well, then in the month of, De- of November and into December, Zeke doesn't look like Zeke. And that offense needs somebody to run the ball. They're doing a shared backfield right now between Elliott and Pollard. Cowboys though should take control of the NFC East. The Packers are off, and I found out today that means my wife is going to extend my honey do list. So because I can't be like, oh, I gotta watch the Packer game. That's not an option, which sucks. (laughs) Totally sucks for me. Uh, But the uh, the Packers are off. I confidently say this: the Green Bay Packers are the best team in the National Football League. You can take your Cardinals. You can have your Bills. I don't believe in Mac Jones still. They, listen, if the, if the Patriots can beat the Bills this weekend and Mac Jones can play well, all right, I'm, I'll be a believer. I think the Bills win. I think they're a two-and-a-half point uh, favorite in that game. I like Buffalo to win that one. But I confidently will say that the Green Bay Packers at 9-3, and three, and one of those losses was Jordan Love, and one of those losses was Week 1, and everybody's got excuses about why their team lost but at nine and three, and a sweep over the alleged best division in football, they beat everybody in the NFC West, two of those on the road, going into the bye week, and now it looks like there is a good shot they're gonna get Zadarius Smith back on the outside, who hasn't played a snap this year. got a back issue, and Jair Alexander is gonna come back and he has the shoulder issue they may both be back for the, uh, the contest against the Bears next week. And if that's the case, you get a 9-3 and team with a pissed-off Aaron Rodgers with a running game led by A.J. Dillon, who is pounding people. You get Aaron Jones back up to speed. Then you add their two best defensive players, and Green Bay is going to be in for a very special December and January. Uh, Chiefs and Broncos, as we always hit the Big Five, the teams that most Des Moines NFL fans care about, Chiefs and Broncos going at it this weekend. That is the Sunday night game. All of a sudden, Kansas City can play defense. They're letting up less than 13 points per game in this four-game win streak they have going on right now. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater will play in this one for Denver, but I don't really think it's going to matter. If they can continue to get after... I mean, Mahomes was looking like Mahomes until last week when they played against the Dallas Cowboys, and then he looked like the air quote, bad Mahomes that we saw for so much of this year. Bears host the Cardinals. i I think there's a media session later for DeAndre Hopkins. I think I read that on Twitter, and whether or not he's going to be back. All signs point towards Kyler Murray coming back this weekend at Soldier Field. Don't forget Arizona is nine and two, and they won a couple of games without Kyler Murray, which is a really impressive thing and a really impressive feat. And if they get DeAndre Hopkins back, Arizona's seven and a half point dog I'm sorry, seven and a half point favorite on the road. If that game was played in the desert. That would be a 13-and-a-half-point spread going the other way. And one more team that you care about because you live in Iowa, and that is the Minnesota Vikings, who have lost. I know this may sound like a repeat, but sadly, Dalvin Cook got hurt again. Uh, Alex Madison should hammer the Detroit Lions, who are 0 and one That one's at Ford Field on Sunday. And the Vikings should not have lost. They come after, off the win against Green Bay. They go out west. San Francisco's not a great team, although they're playing better right now garoppolo's playing well and they're running the ball with eli mitchell minnesota coming off that game was a predictable loser they should not have lost at san francisco coming off that win against green bay but you could see that coming a mile away right now they're going to go probably hammer detroit get back up on high get back to 500 and we'll see if the vikings can make any noise whatsoever in the playoffs so there's the big five for you uh in the national football league this weekend how much time do I have left here, Carol? Okay, never mind. That's going to do it. We are out of here. All right. Uh, one college basketball note next week we could have, and I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Iowa's going to knock off number two, Purdue. But we could have an undefeated Cyhawk game, which you never would have believed, considering where Iowa State was supposed to be and Iowa, where they were supposed to be going into this, into this season. I still think it'll be a fun one. That's next week. We'll talk about it. Thanks to Sam Webb and Rob Howe. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Thanks to you for listening and watching, for checking it out on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. This has been Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Have a great weekend. And sorry, Iowa. Go Blue!